Good day to you. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Hopefully things are well in your life, not based upon your circumstances, good, bad, and different, but good on the places unseen within you. It is a chilly 58 degrees this morning. It feels wonderful. It's very invigorating. My whole outlook on life seems to change (laughs) when it cools off. It's very similar to the way I feel when winter moves out. You know, I've, I've, I've shared for years that I just feel like I, I have some, <laughs> I don't know, psychological issues in wintertime just of the shortness of, of daylight in the daytime and um, windows closed because we don't have air conditioning in our house. So from, goodness, from, you know, April until November, our windows are open 24-7. And so I get used to the sounds, hearing our cows and chickens and listening to the birds and, you know, the wind blowing in. Like, I get used to that. And so when wintertime comes and the whole house gets sealed up, I just don't like that. I don't like the cold keeping me from just walking in and out of the house constantly when I'm home. You know, I just feel confined. Um, did, Did much better last year than I've ever done. Um, although winter just would not let go last year, man, it stuck around forever, but just enjoying the coolness, the, the, the changing of the weather, just the feel in the air, leaves blowing around here and there. It's just beautiful time of year and, uh, hopefully it'll stick around a while. Had some things I shared last night along those lines during the gathering of our fellowship and just about the spiritual seasons of God. That we see the patterns of God throughout the scriptures of a changing of the seasons. That's, that's the way he has always dealt with man and earth. It's his order. We see it throughout saints who've gone before us and you know different experiences of life. A lot of things throughout the Psalms could be translated through the, through the understanding of seasons and the life of Jesus and and even our own lives, you know, we have seasons of circumstances, of afflictions, of great joy, of blessing, of trial. It's, it's, it is the pattern of our lives is the changing of the seasons. And last night, based upon the natural circumstances, I just really, I landed in Psalm chapter 31 that I can't read this morning. And I don't want to fully go there in case I share about that in greater measure, but just talking about how we respond to trials, how we respond to what I shared a week or 10 days ago about the trial, the scriptural trial definition of being open and exposed and examined on a matter and thereby given the opportunity to display the power of God in man or man's own rebellion and failure and and lack of depending upon God in a matter, in a trial. Um, But last night I just really felt the grace of God, the 
the kindness of the Lord to just remind us all that, you know, I'm, I'm anti-relief. I'm anti-circumstantial fixing and changing and getting absolute understanding on why a certain matter exists in my life or you know that that constant I would just deem fleshly need to know I need to know why this is here I need to know what you're asking of me God I need to know and if I know I can trust if I know where my future is headed if I know why or or to what end this sickness in my son is here if I know this if I know that I can trust you. And that's just not, that's not faith. It's not trust. It's just not. It's circumstantial trust, yes. Right now, if I absolutely know that I will go to work today and make X amount of money, okay, I'm good. I don't need to depend on God today. I already know. I already know I've gone into the future and God has revealed to me or by whatever means I have already been given an exact large figure of what money I'll make today. So I don't I won't worry today God. I trust you. You've disclosed to me what's before me today. Well, we don't live that way. We don't live according to that. That's not trust. Informed trust Absolute clarity on a matter producing what we call faith is not trust nor faith. And, and, and we can come up with all the scriptures, even like specifically when Jesus said, and I don't believe that was just limited to one circumstance, I think it's a, a principle, is better, in summary, better for those who have Believed and not yet seen. Like, I believe that's a spiritual principle. Better for those who truly put their trust in me without any clarity, without any understanding, without this making any sense on what's before them and what is, excuse me, already now here. Blessed are those who don't have to see, who don't have to touch, who don't have to know every last detail in order to entrust themselves to me. I think that's really the heart of what Jesus is is desiring for his followers to really walk in. And how many circumstances in our life, I'm just reminded of the recording I did weeks ago about the accident with my son when I hit the wellhead with my truck and God's protection. and It continues to ring true with me. The reality of thinking through, and I'll reiterate for anyone who didn't listen or to remind us for those of us who did, I felt in that moment after I hit that wellhead and my son was tossed about inside the cab of my truck and I saw the busted windshield and I was concerned about him and facing the the fleeting moments of my I feel I felt helpless of in the situation I felt out of control and in the moments that followed that as I just talked to the Lord about the matter and asked him to teach me 
in the midst of that circumstance, everything that I might glean from it, I remember clearly that the Lord just spoke to me that, Joel, you're never in control. <laughs> You've never got it under control. You've never, you never have a matter mastered. As, as much as we think that we do, as convinced as we are in our lives that whatever issues, whatever matters of our life, we can control... It's really just a facade. We're not in control of any good thing. <laughs> we're, not in, we're not in control of, of anything. Case in point, this truck that I'm driving that I've referenced a couple times that I just purchased. Um, and most anybody who listens to this knows me personally on some level, knows that I do vendor work for car dealerships. I, I go into dealerships in our region, um, and I do work for their vehicles uh, as a contractor, basically. And I've seen within that that realm of commerce, automotive, automotive dealerships, just this dramatic wheel of change. I mean, I've, I've not been doing this very long. Now, of course, I've been running this business for 23 years, but I always used to just deal with individuals primarily. I dealt with people, and I dealt with smaller businesses, but on a personal level. And so this is, the last four years have been very different in, in approach and experience as far as interacting with customers, you know, my clients, my customers, my whatever we want to call them. And I've seen this always changing world, primarily of management, but it's always across the board. But even in management, I mean, there's been a couple dealers that I've been in for three years. I literally, it would take me quite a while to recall all the changes in management in this one relatively small dealership. It's it's this revolving door of insecurity. And so basically, like I'm saying about, well, how does that relate to this truck? The deal that I had worked out several weeks ago on this truck was with the um, pre-owned inventory manager. I already do work for him. He, he's the one who approves the work that I do every week. Even he himself had only been there three or four months. And we got to this point where we were pretty close on numbers and I was ready to make a decision one way or another. And I hadn't heard back from him for 24 hours, which is not a long time, but we were already further into this deal. And so I texted him again and I just said, you know, I need to hear from you. Just kind of let me know where we're at. He said, well, you need to talk to the GM. I got terminated this morning. <laughs> and so I'm just using this as an example of just the insecurity of our life because like, the way my business works is basically with individuals within a company. And these individuals often change. And so every time there's a change, I have to kind of reintroduce what I do and 
and prove myself all over again within a company that I've already been established doing work for. It's very, very insecure. It's been good for me. At first, when I first started doing it, it drove me crazy. I'm like, I don't have any idea what I'm going to be making. I don't know. I have no (laughs) confidence in this process. The business I did before, again, I did it for 15 years in that one specific area. I knew where I was going on what certain days of the week, how many cars I would do. Very, very planned and programmed. Slick. Reliable. It did not require much faith. It was a sure thing. (laughs) And the, the circumstance that continues to prevail here and how my business works constantly puts me, places me within a dependence that I just never had before. A brother here, he does similar work in dealerships. Same circumstance. You just don't know. You don't know if Michael that you've been getting huge lists of work for every week for a year, well, you know what? You might show up there tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, and guess what? Michael's gone. (laughs) And Jim, who took his place, he kind of thinks that your work is a waste of money. I mean, that is always possible. And so... It's good practice to become dependent even in the mundane, daily routine of work and life. Unknown circumstances often don't make any sense and I've quit trying to make them make sense. And so to get back to my my point that I had other stuff I was going to talk about, but obviously we're not going to land there today. The Psalm 31, just read Psalm 31. It's very lengthy. But basically it's just presumably David crying out to God for deliverance, for restoration, for help. Be my help. Be my salvation, ultimately. And last night I just felt this, I felt this kindness of God Again, like how how do we say these things without risking sounding prideful? That is such a man, I'm telling you, I don't say this very often, but I think that is such a device of the enemy to keep us from spiritually maturing and giving God glory for maturing us and changing us. Because every single time I want to open my mouth and confirm out of my mouth, whether it's to myself or to my wife or to any other person, even on here, I feel that hesitation in me that's like, oh, but don't you sound prideful now. Don't you start bragging. Don't you start puffing yourself up. Now, yes and amen, we've got to be careful of what the Scripture talks about. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. But should we not still think highly of ourselves some? If and when... We give all glory and praise and recognition to God at the handiwork in our lives 
and evidence of something he's doing? And so I just want more freedom to do that without that restraint from myself, from the enemy, or from other men to say, hey, well, you better watch out, brother. You sound prideful to me. Well, I'll take a warning. I'll take a rebuke. I'll take it. But, like, it can't come and it can't be latched onto and received as right if we even say one line about God doing a work in us. And I'm not even meaning myself. I'm meaning us in the sense of the families that I'm in relationship here with as we do this endeavor together. So I'm talking about the corporate work of God in families, including my own and myself. And so what I'm saying is like, I am anti-relief. I'm anti change the circumstances so you feel better. If your child's crying, I am, a, I am a compassionate guy. I'm a soft guy. I hate it when my son hurts. I hate it when he's sad. I hate it when he's upset. I do. But like, I'm not the guy that's going to run over there and, oh, are you okay, little Timmy? It's okay. It's okay. You know, I'm just not like that because of what I believe. Not because of my personality, but because of what I believe. And even that, we could spend some time talking on about discerning and deciphering just our personality preference in what is right and spiritually motivated for us to move out of and respond to matters from. I'm very anti-relief because of what I believe. Because personally, I'm like every other guy. Turn on the basketball game. Make me some nachos. Turn down the air conditioning to 65. And give me a comfy chair. I'm just like anyone else. But I can't do that as a spiritual man. You know, metaphorically. I can't live that way. I can't live that way and live out the follow-me reality that I'm always talking about and saying we must do if we're going to rightfully be maturing sons. But I am very anti-relief. Like, I think there's, there's a lot to staying within a circumstance. In faith, in expectation. Yes, God's our deliverer. Yes, he's our healer. Yes, he's our salvation. And I don't even need to go into all the biblical patterns of the fiery furnace, of the lion's den, the belly of the fish. I mean, all these things, right? I mean, we've known these things our whole life. God is a God who delivers within a circumstance. He is alongside us. And that Psalm 31 reality is the author continually saying, Oh God, deliver me. My enemies are pursuing me. But it is throughout it, it is constantly interwoven with, My trust is in you. God, my hope is in you. You are my strong tower. You are my shelter. In the midst of his 
natural circumstances, when he feels the enemy pursuing him, he feels in bondage, in trouble, in distress is one of the words I remember clearly. I'm in great distress. He's not denying the fact of that, but he's not saying, oh God, just zap me out of here and that's how I'll know your goodness. I'll know you're good. I'll know you love me. I know you're for me and not against me if you. And that to me is the sign of a maturing spiritual man. God, deliver me. God, help me. God, heal my son. God, give me some understanding that that surpasses my own. Help me to see whatever you would allow me to see. But God, you're good. You're here. Those can be synonymous. They can be together. That's why I have such issue with rapturitis theology. I don't care where we fall with the doctrine of rapture. I don't care where you are as far as like, do we get zapped out of here and disappear and great judgment and calamity comes to the earth? I don't believe that's a biblical pattern myself. The wicked are always removed in Scripture. The wicked are the ones always removed. That's for another day. But what I do have very simple opposition against is the mindset of the rapture, which is, I don't deserve anything hard or bad because you love me, God. And if you love me, you'll take me out. If you are really good, you will not allow anything bad to happen to my life. And that's with, hopefully with some more clarity what I'm saying. I believe opposes walking in a place of faith and trust and hope and expectation that God is our deliverer and we are in need of deliverance. We are in need of healing. We are in need of our captors, of our pursuers, of our enemies being destroyed. Yes, yes, yes. But, God, you are here. But, God, you have set me in a safe and secure place. And if we can do those things synonymously, I think we're in that place of maturity. We're in that place of rightly holding the tension of trial, victory, and faith. God, this situation, it seems unbearable. And I could easily start saying, oh God, it's too hard. Oh God, where are you? Or I can say, God, you have promised me you will not allow more than I can bear to come to me. So be my strength. You are my strength. You are enough. The crying out. The crying out, oh my gosh. I'm telling you, a church that gets the crying out gets God. I, I, man, I want to, if I could write a book, I think I'd write one. The crying out people. Crying out people get God. Period. If there's anything in the scriptures that's clear and completely indisputable, it is the fact that God is close 
to the brokenhearted, and he responds to the crying out people. Period. Hands down every time. I think it's the solution to probably every issue we face as humanity still in this in-between place of the what was and the what is not yet. A crying out. A plea. A desperation that God, we need you. Thank you that you are here. You are here. So read Psalm 31. Listen. Listen to that psalm declaring the the rightful approach of balancing the the distress with the trust. To me, that's just that's the epitome of humanity pleasing God, acknowledging what is real, acknowledging the difficulty, and acknowledging equally the power of God and our trust in Him. So may it be synonymous for us, friends. May it be synonymous for us. Not, oh God, if you deliver me, you are who you say you are. If you change this, then I will believe. But, oh God, you are here in the midst of this circumstance. No wavering. No wondering. No worrying. No anxiety. No fear. No despair to the point of disbelief. Lord, I'm in distress, but God, you're here. Show yourself strong on my behalf. Because you're good. And because you are close to those who are brokenhearted and who cry out and who are in distress. The perfect father. What father is going to hear his child calling out for help and turn a deaf ear? If you have a son, if you have a daughter, I don't care whether they're a month old or 40, and you hear your child saying, Daddy, Daddy, help me. Oh my gosh, would anyone ignore the cries of your own child? I could never do it. I could never do it. And to keep the the spiritual principle preserved and perfect the best way I know how. There are seasons when God says, you've got to stay in that, son. But I'm right here. Don't be afraid. I've got to leave you in this circumstance, son. But don't fear. Daddy's right here. I'm right here. Hold on to me. Hold on to me, son. I'm close. I've not forgotten you. You feel abandoned. You feel alone. Friends, listen to what I'm saying. This is the heart of our God. Don't you for a second think that your daddy's gone. I'm right here. Don't believe the lie that I'm not with you. Don't believe the lie that you're alone. I'm right here. Hold on to me. I'm a safe, secure place in the midst of the circumstance. 
May we, may we get that. May that sink deep within us, whatever circumstance we're in today and whatever circumstances come in our tomorrows, that today we will, we will walk in that reality. God, I desire, I desire deliverance. I desire it, God. But either way, whether it comes in my timing and my preference, God, my hope is in you. My trust is in you, period. Amen.